Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Whiskey in History, right here on the iLogic Media Network. I am Johnny Danger with you all the time. My friends here, Mr. Pete Kehoe and my co-host, Justin Raditz. We're happy to be here after uh, a few health-related delays and um, then a scare this afternoon with my internet going out. Um, the world is conspiring against us for the show, I swear. <laughs> But uh, I'm running off of the uh, cell phone signal, so hopefully I stick around with all of you guys. But I am so excited to hang out with you, and uh, cheers, my friends. I, it's been a month in planning. Yes. Cheers. cheers. It has. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Cheers, everyone. Little uh, So <laughs> this show, my friends, is Whiskey in History. Uh, it was born of... Every time my good buddy Justin and I end up getting together, it, it usually involves a, a half bottle, at least, of whiskey. Yep. Um, getting a little bit of a buzz on, and then Justin just going on and on and on about history topics while I go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so, you know, when my friend Mark and I decided to find found um, iLogic Media, we just, um, the first thing I did was call Justin and said, hey, man, you know how you just drone on and on and on about history? Let's do that for everybody. You make it sound so much fun. It is. It's so much fun. I enjoy it. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Tonight, we're going to talk about the War of 1812, specifically the impact on Mackinac Island in the great state of Michigan. Um, we're going to talk about whiskey. We're going to have some fun. And uh, I invite everybody, please go check out iLogic Media Network uh, at iLogicMedia.com. It's a project my friend Mark Larson and I have put together and, and collected a nice number of podcasts, uh, audio podcasts. Pete and I are trying to get his music show on here. Talk about we technical issues. We <laughs> we're working through that. There's some good stuff on there, guys. A lot of sports stuff, a lot of fantasy sports stuff. Um, we got a cooking show with my good friend Derek, uh, the, the Grumpy Bunny has been pretty entertaining. I've been helping produce that. That's been a lot of fun. And of course, um, DFS with Tony, if you're a fan of the station, he was live about two hours ago doing uh, golf DFS. Uh, but we're really excited to get into the War of 1812. But I will tell you, we're so excited about this. We've had such a great response already. We've got three more shows lined up, Justin. Oh, I know. Three more shows. Uh, we have one <laughs> going to come up. Special guest, Rachel Burns. Um, good friend. Can't wait to see her. Uh, she reached out immediately and said, can we do one on Nixon? I'm like, yes, we can. So uh, we got um, uh, Richard Nixon. He's going to be the topic on the show. I believe we have that coming up next month on the 12th. Yes. Um, I've got a uh, show coming up with Mayor Pingree, uh, the, the famous Detroit mayor. We're going to talk about Mayor Pingree while drinking Mayor Pingree uh, whiskey from uh, our fine friends down at Valentine in Detroit. And then um, whenever she gets back to me, my friend Greta, the Maker's Mark ambassador for the great state of Michigan is going to come on and go over the history of Maker's Mark. And she actually is um, a wealth of knowledge and wants to go into the detail about the history of the grains that make this beautiful beverage. So we've got a lot in store for you on this series. So keep up with us. Find us on Facebook at iLogicMedia.com and stay tuned. And uh, But we're going to get into it, man. Uh, I have a Maker's Mark glass, uh, but um, sadly, I am actually drinking a little Buffalo Trace. Don't There's be nothing sad. to be sad about Buffalo. No. I know. I just I like to have proper glassware. I got to work on that. No. It's so, proper. I have it's a Michigan good. glass, which is proper for this episode, actually. You know? Yes, it is. Uh, a gift from a friend of ours, yes. But I am drinking, actually, Larceny. 
which I highly recommend for under $30 a bottle, just uh, yeah. on the whiskey end of things, gentlemen. Very maybe good for the price. Should have saved that for the Nixon episode, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or any presidential episode, yeah. for that matter. It's really, really. Yeah. Justin, what you got over there, buddy? I have a naked glass uh, mm. from Ikea. Yes. And in excellent. it is some lovely red breast. Ooh, oh. excellent. Which I save only for special occasions. Like this. Eight, eight or 12? Oh, it's a 12. 12, 12. Oh, they have the eight? Yeah. You know what? I really, we we have never met, just so everybody knows, we've never met in person, but we really have to. <laughs> well, <laughs> Justin and Pete. Pete wishes he never met me. And drink your whiskey is what I'm saying. Yes. Like, yeah. When I introduced my father to this whiskey, he told me that I was a son of a bitch for uh, <laughs> introducing him. He says, you've ruined all other whiskey for me. Oh, yeah. It's like crack. Getting somebody smoking crack, you know, it's the same thing. It's, it's so good. So good. It really <laughs> is. Well, we got quite a few people with us at the moment. We've got uh, a few friends, uh, some friends oh, from back home. Uh, Mr. Sean Clay. Hey. Logan Moore. Uh, I like him. Yeah. Let's see who else we got here. We got uh, my buddy Jeff Churches. With we are working on uh, with Jeff. He's got a podcast called Camp uh, Talk Live, and uh, we're working on bringing him on board to the network too. So give a little shout out to Jeff. Uh, check Sweet. him out on on Facebook. Look for Camp Talk Live. All things camping. That's uh, good stuff there. Um, Melissa Marwelli. I don't know you, Melissa. Does anybody know Melissa? Well, hi, Melissa. Welcome. Logan is asking if, Re if Remy Martin is okay. I'm like, I like yeah, it. Sure, that's okay. Of course. It's probably on that back bar behind us there. It's uh, my good friend Derek here. Derek is the creator and uh, star of The Grumpy Bunny, the cooking show right here at iLogicMedia.com. My lovely wife, Katie, understanding that I've been freaking out all day over internet and other issues. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Logan Moore oh, watching over on Katie. YouTube. Cheers, Katie. Hey, Logan. Chris Tabor, back from Petoskey, class of 99. Am I back at Tam's class? Like Jeremy Gattaca, too. Good to hear from you, Jeremy. I like it. Right on. Yeah, that's going to take forever. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Pete. We're, we might just have to keep moving on. Shout, oh, yeah, we Mom did. and dad are watching, Shout Pete. Out, Mom and dad are watching. Nice. <laughs> Good to see you, Mr. Well, and Mrs. Cole. Dang. Of course. Always like a pleasure, it. the Coles. I like it. All right. Well, we'll try to keep up with people's comments and questions as we go. Uh, keep an eye on the chat, my friends. When we wrap up near the end of the show, I'm going to share the link to our feed right here in the comments. And I'm going to invite the first six or seven people to jump on screen with us and give a virtual cheers to end the show, probably right about 930. So I like that. Hey, Jim Brown says Jim Brown is here. I like it. Mother-in-law, Susan Jones. Now we can Hello. begin. Teeny, friend of Pete. Tina, Tina Schmidl. Yay. Uh, Tina, good to see you. We have somebody uh, demanding reenactments. Maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> we, have costumes. we didn't have time for that, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll work on it. We have some right. gunpowder somewhere. All right. <laughs> Melissa says, uh, I just really like whiskey and Mackinac Island. Well, all three of us agree. Yes. Duh. I don't like it. All right. Well, anyways, the point of the show is to talk about the War of 1812. Now, this came to me as a topic because, of course, uh, recently there was an attack on the capital of the United States, and it brought up the uh, many times over in the news that the last time anyone had come close to doing that was the War of 1812. 
And then it turned out the War of 1812, we know, was, was heavily involved in the history of Michigan. So I said, Justin, perfect episode. So why don't we let you just go ahead and tee it up and give us the, uh, you know, the quick version of what the hell was happening in the War of 1812. Sure. The War of 1812 is the most irrational war in the history of America. Everything that was supposed to go one way went the other. And everything that we were supposed to be awesome in, we were terrible in. And even just the basis of why we went to war didn't really make an awful lot of sense. So kicking it off, there's really three major players in, in the War of 1812. There's significantly more, but it's not a course on 18 or War of 1812. <laughs> it's just a thing where we drink and talk about things. There you go. History. Yeah. So the, the first major player is the British British, the i.e. the British folk who live in Britain. And uh, in 1812, the British were the most technologically advanced, strongest military, best organized nation in the world. Yeah. And they were so amazing that they thought that they could take on a tag team opponent, France and Spain at the same time. And they very nearly did. In War, War 1812, they were, or during 1812, they were waist deep in the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, they were doing okay, but they were also incredibly broke. The years leading up to 1812, even before the Napoleonic Wars, America, we bought the Louisiana Purchase. We bought that big swath of land that the British had, That's which right. was essentially the Great Lakes region. Um, and we were doing okay. We were taking over uh, the area, but in terms of how the British felt about things, the British British, they were on their way out of North America. Their influence was leaving. Uh, they were doing it slowly, but they were doing it mostly because North America had no money in it for them. Uh, so during the Napoleonic Wars, the British British were like, America, you're not, a, you're not an issue. You're not a problem for us. Uh, this is... America. And I guess we were not what we are today. And we were almost the exact opposite of Britain. If America was a character from the movie Independence Day, we are definitely the Randy Quaid guy, the drunk <laughs> propped up terms like, I can fly, I'm a pilot. You know, we could declare war on Britain and win. It's fine. Like, hold my beer kind of stuff. Um, the way that America was going, uh, the, the goals that America had at the time was to get to to take as much land in North America as we could and to get rid of all the influence of European nations and kind of dominate the area. And we mostly wanted to do that for farmland because we made most of our money from what we were able to grow through agriculture. What we learned after we got all that land is that we didn't have nearly enough people to farm that land and to bring it back. It was there's nothing out there. So with that, we, we needed more land that was more developed, not fresh land that was undeveloped. We wanted to expand. We wanted to get our influence out. And at the same time, in the election of 1811, there was a bunch of uh, politicians that were elected on the empty threat that we could declare war on whoever we want and win. These people being the war hawks. And now we have the situation where we need to expand, but we also need more farms and we want to get Britain out of North America faster. 
And the best place to go to invade for farming is Upper Canada. If we go to Canada, there's already a bunch of farms there. Uh, they're already made and there are already people there to farm them farms. So that's where we wanted to go. But the only way we could do it is to kind of instigate in the news, in the speeches, in the universities throughout the land, which there were very few back then, uh, this idea that there are these evil British clandestine folk in America. And people actually believed this stuff. They were like, we have spies in the White House. Uh, the British are trying to take our sheep to impact our textiles industry. Uh, the British never left northern Michigan uh, like they said they would. They just pretended that they did. Uh, the British are secretly funding a bunch of Native Americans to secretly do little wars to hurt us. All this crazy stuff. You know, we had the uh, one of the big reasons, Pete, which I'm sure you're aware of, that we blame the War of 1812 or the reason why we started it was impressment, which was we claimed that evil British people are going to our ships and finding Americans and forcing them to serve in the British Navy against their will, things like this. It was all part of that big you know, let's get behind invading Canada yeah, kind of a propaganda machine. Exactly. Which leads us to our third player, which is the British Canadians, i.e. the British folk that still lived in Canada and were up there to defend Canada. The reality was at the time when we were trying to get this war fervor going, the reality was is that all of the British folk up there had orders just to defend Canada. That's it. Just defend Canada. You can't, they didn't have the supplies. They didn't have the people to have a sustained invasion. It wasn't going to happen. That's a fact. <laughs> Matt Bush says, uh, sounds like modern QAnon. <laughs> That's not wrong. They kind of, <laughs> yeah. But the Congress needs to approve every declaration of war. And like, it was the narrowest declaration of war vote in the history of all of the wars. The Northern states were like, Wait a minute, wait a minute. They actually declared wars? They just didn't do it and say we were not no, at war? No, they declared war. Congress. Oh. Yeah. First time. First time. As and, a nation. Uh, first time as a nation. Yeah, barely. Barely, though. Right. Uh, the, nor the northern states are like, those guys are really easy to get along with, and they're not a threat, and it's really <laughs> stupid to declare war on Britain right now. We're right. broke, and uh, we're... We don't have an army. I think at the time, Britain had a navy of over a thousand ships, and our navy was a total of seventeen. British like, navy was huge, the huge. standard, the world standard. Absolutely. Yeah. And we were definitely far from that. Although we did, we get, we did get the Ironsides out of it, the the USS Constitution. True. But you know, it's a small blurb. But so here we are. We're declaring war. The the the, the British Canadians. Um, Yes, they weren't. They were only there to defend. They couldn't invade. And yes, they were up there enduring, getting all these hits from all of this, you know, American shenanigans, <laughs> all these lies and stuff. Except the thing about the British or the British Canadians was all of those rumors and stuff. They were true. They did have a hard on for destroying America. <laughs> if they could. And now. There's a declaration of war. Now they can finally do it. They've been up there for 20 years, uh, just kind of counting the bullets, you know. True. Now they were ready to go do this thing. And uh, it's hilarious because the War of 1812 started in 1812. 
the first thing that we did, it was General Hall, who was the commanding officer of Fort Detroit. He made a declaration that went something like, uh, we're here to liberate you British Canadians. And next to us, you will stand beside us as truly free men. And the Canadians or the British Canadians were like, well, let's show him how much, how excited and motivated we are by this. And uh, they invade Detroit and arrest General Hall and we never get it back. And that was the first battle of the War of 1812. We just got slapped in the face. We lost Detroit. <laughs> what's hilarious about it, before, sorry to, to cut, cut you off there, John, or step on you there, but what's hilarious about it is that their first thing was to go take Detroit to secure the Great Lakes, which weren't a primary issue for Britain for like 30 years. But that was like their first thing, secure the lakes. We have to secure the lakes. And that's what they did. Um, to fast forward, we, had, we got them back once we had one great army victory. The United States had a much larger army than the Canadian Defense Force, and we were able to supply it significantly better. But we were not organized at all. We were able to burn down in 1813, we were able to burn down uh, the British uh, capital for Upper Canada and York, which is now Toronto. Um, and then we lost every other battle after that, including trying to take back Detroit. Uh, and we lost that one pretty bad. And by the end of 1813, we were like, we can't afford to do this war anymore. We're done. We're, we got to find a way out. And at the beginning of 1814, things got really bad. That was when the British British won the Napoleonic War. And all of these British Canadians who had asked for reinforcements are automatically getting all of these reinforcements. And now we have thousands of battle-hardened British troops. And the first place they go is all the way up into the Upper Peninsula to show a, stro uh, uh, a show of force in June of, April, June of 1814 to invade, to show the British reinforced strength. They, they have to show their force by invading a small island in Upper Lake Huron. St. Joe? Or which one? Mackinac Island. <laughs> oh, Mackinac. Okay. Yeah. Didn't they take, they took St. Joe though too, I think. No, they were they were they, they never left the the area. They had a temporary like crappier base or uh, okay. point on it wasn't even on St. George because that would be a British island. They didn't right. want to do that. They were on Detour Island. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where Which they is actually Drummond Island, you mean. Drummond, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Drummond Island. Yep. Off the coast of Detour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But that's, yeah, and that's that's the first thing they did. So, Pete, I hand it off to you. Tell us about the Mackinac Island. Well, the uh, I just loved, I I I lived on Mackinac Island for uh, a few years, uh, over the over the years, and... Uh, Sarah Wagner chimes in, says they needed fudge, Pete. They needed fudge. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of ways I could go with that, John. Um, uh Mackinac was a strategic, obviously, you know, as you were just saying, a very strategic location. And the Great Lakes was one of those things that we could control because, again, with Detroit, you know, Detroit was the gateway. I mean, there was no St. Mm -hmm. Lawrence Seaway back then, you know, and there was no other way into the Great Lakes other than going through Detroit, basically. 
you know, pre, you know, I mean, it, it was really largely like a, an explorer's territory at that time. In the 1812, yeah. And, and But the fortunes that were made, I mean, John Jacob Astor, you know, here's the guy that, uh, you know, the, the Waldorf Astoria, right, in mm -hmm. New York City. Uh, the America's first millionaire in the early 1800s, as a matter of fact, right about this time. Okay, so this guy had a, a huge business interest in, in, in the island. He was one of the few, but it was starting to become an economic force, and so... This really kind of did hit us, you know, in the nads a little bit, so to speak, you know. In the, and, in the Michigan nads. Yes. Uh, and Michigan wasn't a state uh, for another 20-some years after this, you know. But the territory, though, and the Great Lakes had been, you know, uh, you know, white people started going in, into the Great Lakes area, you know, like French. Uh, yeah, it's Alexis, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, you bring up a... Uh, a lot of people don't know the history of that area, like in terms of North American European history. Oh, it's it's as old as it's as old as New Orleans. Yeah, you know? well, it's technically it's older. That that's it a story. Is, actually, you're right. The guy who founded Saint Ignace had a hand in the. I don't want to give it away. The podcast for him. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, we'll have podcast okay. another time. But Pete, I'm going to take a quick chance. Um, to let everybody know that's listening, again, please go to ilogicmedia.com. Check out all the different shows that are going on over there. Do me a big favor, please. The one thing that would help a brand new media network the most, like our page, go search for us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube so you'll get a notification for all the great shows up there. And, uh, you know, find me, Jonathan Danger Cole. Friend me. I like friends. I'll say hi. He does like He's friends. He's a nice guy. Yeah. I'll love Some days. Some days. Some days I'm a nice guy. All right. Awesome. Well, where are we going next? Well, I don't know. So Pete, bring us into, bring us into the start. I don't think if I remember correctly, the British had a big force. They had friends from the native Americans to help them. In addition, they did. They were a lot nicer to the locals than yeah. the Americans were. Yes. And yes, they, they, uh, they basically came in, uh, as the story goes at night and they had, uh, you know, some artillery. It was very primitive, of course, you know, being 1812. But it was like, you know, uh, basically a, a couple of cannons, I believe. And mm -hmm. or maybe it was just even one cannon. It, it might it may have been. But if, if anybody has been to Mackinac Island that is listening to this, if you know where Fort Holmes is, this is where the, basically the British dragged their artillery up to the top of the very, you know, the uh, topographic, you know, height of the island. And it's not that, you know, I don't know what the above sea level is, but it's not that, you know, it's not like mountainous necessarily, but it's a nice view of the straits and you can see the entire, you know, area and surrounding, you know, waters. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so the, the British basically came in at, at late at night. And as I was saying to you guys, I think before we were actually on the air that, we only had, as Americans, we had two boats that had arms on them uh, mm -hmm. in the entirety of the Great Lakes in 1812. We had two ships that had cannons and uh, artillery. So there's really no, you know, we, we have no backup plan. We had this big fort that we established in the late 18th century, you know, like 1780s. That we inherited from them. That, that we inherited we did. from the British. From the British, actually. When, exactly. So... So there's a lot of grudge match going on here, I think, you know, the, with the Brits. Uh, I think it's more than just 
strategic, you know, location. And, you know, uh, I think it's a little bit of a grudge match that, you know, they're kind of pissed at that, you know, we yeah. got their, their jewel basically, you know, in that area, that's it, it guards. Come on. I mean, like four of the great lakes, basically, essentially, yeah. you know, and, and that's like a guard point and, uh, indispensable is a military and economic like you know thoroughfare you know so uh i think the british just kind of had it in for us i mean aside from you know all the other ramifications of the, of the war of 1812 you know politically so Melissa wants to know if we offer our friends whiskey of course we do someday when we're not all locked in our basements uh, by ourselves maybe we'll even do this uh, remote in northern michigan um up at a at a bar stool somewhere maybe city park or something in a quiet corner huh Pete? Uh, well, I was thinking maybe something like the Pink Pony or... Oh, yeah, know. go all the way back. Yeah. 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 I like it. But of course, Melissa, we'd love to have whiskey with friends. I, I miss people. Humans humans are people that I miss right now. I will tell you that. I know. Chris Hornson. Oh, my God. No kidding. Yeah. Christopher, good to see you. Yeah, so... Chris, it's, you Chris know, says to check out Holes Trace. What's Holes Trace? Oh, I wonder if that was where he lives. I have no idea. I don't know. Well, we'll look into that, my friend. Pete, I think you bring up a good point. Like, the British were very much, like, the British had a huge history. And I think <laughs> even the British folk who stayed up there fought in the Revolution War, Revolutionary War and the, and the French and Indian War. Yes, so, like, both. Correct. These, these guys were used to, like, hardcore throwing everything one superpower has at another superpower to, like, take control of all this stuff. You know, they're used to fighting the French and being betrayed by which Native Native American tribe is going to align with the French or them. And, yep. you know, it used to be really complicated and it used to be like a thousand percent in street fight, skull crack and war. And then with us, we just kind of like inherited like our grandparents' Cadillac and <laughs> we don't have enough money to fill it up. And we're just kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I have my stereo in the back because it wouldn't fit in my dorm room. You know? <laughs> the, the British are like, analogy. that is the best car and that is our car. And we're like, whatever, dude. I just <laughs> got it. And then uh, you're in Toledo and you run out of gas and you don't have a credit card. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I think, if I remember correctly, we didn't have a lot of people stationed at Fort Mackinac and Mackinac Island, the United no. States. Not many, uh, like maybe 125 at once or something like that. You know, I actually will check on that. I uh, want to say that it might have been even less, but I don't know. Even 120 to hold on to that fort isn't a lot. I think depending on, I'm, I'm visualizing the barracks now, you know, up in the uh, the old fort, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm thinking, you know, that uh, there's like two barracks buildings maybe left. And I think you could probably put maybe 75 between the two, you know, yeah. now that you, you know, you're probably right, you know, but um, even 120 is still pretty small to defend against what the British were packing. And the British knew exactly how to attack that fort because they lived there for forever. Exactly. And they had the roadmap. And, and the funniest thing to me is that they had, you know, not only did they know, they knew the, they knew the neighborhood better. Uh, yeah. They built the freaking place. And they also knew that, that the Americans had no firepower in the area, let alone period. Uh, at that time, 
really? The American Navy in 1812 was like, you know, I don't know how many ships. It was yeah. minimal. And it none was, were in the Great Lakes, you know. So no, that even the even the ones, the, the two that you mentioned that were there were like schooners that they just kind of like put some little bus or uh, cannons on it. And they're like, yeah. we did it. It's a warship. Leave us alone. You know, we they actually might have been kind of a uh, like a scientific, uh, you know, we were uh, again before the broadcast, we should have recorded. But uh, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson might have had, you know, some biological or some kind of, a, you know, like a, a flora and fauna kind of tour, you know, oh, yeah. on one of those ships. I mean, I don't know. I'm not really sure, you know, but uh, just not much, uh, not really much intel you know, as far as the Americans go on, you know, so the British had a decided, you know, uh, advantage in a lot of ways. And the whole, I just love the story about them pulling up this cannon up the hill. And it's such a fucking long, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's maybe 400 feet up, 500 feet up from the shore. Thanks, Pete. Now I got to put the explicit uh, content warning on the show. <laughs> oh, I did it was inevitable. It. I'm sorry. It was inevitable. <laughs> We made it 29 minutes, 38 seconds on. before the first uh, cuss word. I, I, uh, I actually, I, honestly, that was about 27 minutes longer than I thought it would take. So. Did he say freaking? No, I did. No. Oh, fuck. I'm going to check the replay. Oh. <laughs> Love it. Well, you know, guys, you know, I might be being kind of quiet over here, but, you know, that was the whole shtick was when I got drunk, it just was Justin talking about the war. Um, my, my poor father, the uh, government and history teacher from Petoskey, Michigan, probably sitting here shaking his head that his, that his son has no contribution to the history conversation. But it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, I do want to say, hey, uh, check out this sweet back bar behind us in our photo. Uh, that's a, a picture borrowed from uh, another show on iLogic Media that had just did their first episode called Bar Talk with my friends John and Mark, the owner and general manager of uh, the Relief and Resource Company in Fenton, Michigan. It is an old school speakeasy. That's uh, kind of difficult to find. Sweet. I won't give the secrets away. Yeah, go check it out. So when uh, when the three of us before Mayor Pingree episode, maybe, uh, see, I got to get you two guys um, a, a pour from my Mayor Pingree uh, 13 yes, model. So uh, Ziploc bag and then yeah. mail it. No, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have you guys meet me in Fenton, Michigan, at the Relief and Resource Company uh, for a beverage, and I'll bring you a little uh, mason jar full of whiskey. Excellent. I'll drive three hours for that. Yeah, I'm sure you can find something to do. Maybe Michelle Chenard get together, you know, hang out. That'd we'll make great. it a Tuesday night. You could appear on her show, Pete. Uh, that would be lovely. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> a lot of fun. Michelle Chenard, check her out. Find her on Facebook. She goes live every Tuesday night. It's a lot of fun. So I'm doing good. See, I'm just here to plug things. That's what I'm here. I'm the I'm the commercial man. You're the, the commercial man. I'm the commercial man. Uh, <laughs> Katie says uh, we need to take a drink every time there's an exploitive or sexual reference. Um, oh, and I made two. I think Katie. Thank you. Oh man, we should my, make my like a, a half hour episode where it's just history shots. Yeah, it's history we try, shots. We just try to get through it. Every time there's a new fact, we have to take a shot. We didn't try to make it half an hour. Hey, a uh, shout out there to Easy the Speak Endurance. at Three Thirty. That's another wonderful sports show that just started on our network. There are a couple of guys uh, out of an awesome. Um, they built a speakeasy in uh, one of the guys' uh, garages, and they do a sports show out of that every weekend called Easy Speak Speakeasy Three Thirty. They're in Southline, where Witch's Hat uh, Brewing Company is. 
Hey, all right. Great show. Check them out. Uh, Going like for it. a second poor gentleman. Nice. Uh, I don't know who Sarah talking to, but she uh, said, would you know Kathleen Robinson? I don't know. Nope. I don't know a Kathleen Robinson. Anybody else? Let me, see. Let me check. No. <laughs> I don't think so. And cheers to all of you out there for watching. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you guys very much. We're not done yet. Don't say cheers like we're leaving. Don't forget, somewhere in the next you know, 15 minutes or so, I'm going to give out the link to join us here on screen. If anybody's got a glass of whiskey in hand and wants to do a virtual cheers to end the show, just stay tuned in the comment section. I'll put the link out there. First, like six people to get in. We're going to get Rachel Burns in here, who's going to do the show on Nixon with us to say hi real quick and at some point here, and then we'll do a virtual cheers somewhere around 920. So Justin, we got 15 minutes or so. Well, Pete, so the Brits the Brits moved the cannon all the way to the top, to the highest point on Mackinac Island, which if I remember correctly, is behind the fort. That's correct. Yes. As a matter of fact, there is a, uh, they, they call it the gun range still. <laughs> and it basically is, uh, it, it, you're at the, the highest point on the island at Fort Holmes, and which is where they drag the cannon up to. And uh, a modern day view is uh, literally like you're looking down kind of like a ski hill almost, mm -hmm. uh, which would be uh, very difficult as a skier because I am. But uh, uh, it's it's carved down and there is a uh, no vegetation and they've kept it that way because it that's it was previously the british gun range and they would recycle all of their their lead from the bullets right and so this this thing was like carved into the landscape and it was like a perfect bowling alley from yeah. ford homes right down to the uh the fort. to the ford at which is on the uh on the, the east bluff of the island yeah. and so and that's been the case uh, ever since. Uh, so because they would pick up, they would just, I mean, like, you know, good 21st century people, they're recycling all of their lead, you know, so they can reuse it because they're stuck on an island in the middle of nowhere in 18, yeah. whatever, you know, 1812. But I mean, for 50 years before that, you know, and so they recycle the lead. And so they have to shave this part of the land off so they can find their, you know, their cannibal or their, uh, uh, you know, basketballs. Thank you. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, recycle them and re smelt them down into balls. And, you know, there's, there's not a lot of lead up there. <laughs> not a lot of lead in, in, uh, Northern, Northern Michigan or Mackinac mm -hmm. Island. It's all pretty much, yeah. you know, limestone. So, so, so anyway, they, 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 they knew that they didn't might. have much. They, they knew that the Americans didn't have any kind of ammo or firepower basically. So they just be, snuck up there. And they sent a guy down, and not a fired, you know, not a shot fired. Um, an emissary was, you know, with a little mm -hmm. piece of paper saying, you know, See that cannon up there, it's gotcha. pointed at you. Gotcha. They so were I nice enough, though. Very British of them to be like very <laughs> totally, totally British of them. And it was not not only not a shot fired, but I don't really think any prisoner of wars, I, I, as far as like incarceration because there weren't any facilities on the island at the time you know they had the barracks for the men and that was about it you know and we the british that. had the british i believe the ship that they had there were like 40 men on that one 
and there might have been 75 on the island, you know. So, I mean, we're talking about not, not a major skirmish, but I always find it interesting that it's the, it's the only territory other than maybe the White House, arguably, that, that was occupied by the British during the War of 1812. And it didn't get turned back over. It was the fir- one of the first incidences of the war, and it was the last, it was like the last, uh, like, turnover, uh, yeah. f- right? I didn't want to leave. That British yes. guy was like, we must retain the jewel that was important to Britain 40, 40 or 45 years ago. They were fighting, the British were fighting this war from, from like a different time. And we were fighting this war based on just stupid thoughts and feelings that weren't reality at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even even the General Hall from Detroit, he thought that the, that the Canadians would welcome this. And then yeah. they came over and beat our butts hard. Like, <laughs> yes, they did. We lost nothing. And the one thing, like, I do want to spend a couple of minutes. I was, I wanted to talk a little bit about Tecumseh, just a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah. He was, so for hundreds of years, the Native Americans were doing business with the British and the, and the French and betrayal and all this other stuff. They, they switched. <laughs> everybody switched sides at some point. But Tecumseh, when he realized that the French were gone and the British were dialing down, he knew that the Americans were coming. And he, he, was a, he wasn't a warrior. He didn't grow up to be a warrior, but his, his father was. And uh, he, when he became chief, he united 10 to 15 different Great Lakes tribes into one large group to try to create a voice in the conversation of the future of North America. But he became more and more upset with the Americans' disregard and disrespect for him as a person um, and what his people represented. So long before 1812 started, he was already in cahoots with the British to get funds, to get materials, to get weapons. And it was his people who aligned themselves with the British that were almost solely responsible for helping the British win things like Mackinac Island and and uh, and Detroit and all of our other battles, they almost did more than the British Canadians did uh, fighting us, and they did it far more effectively than than we could have ever predicted. Yeah, yeah. Which I think, um, not not to step on you, Pete, but I think no. like the Brits took the island after that, right? Like when they, they brought did. up, and they were nice enough to let the Americans go without weapons. True. Because they didn't have any place to keep them, and they didn't like the Americans, so they were gone. But while they were gone, we tried to get the island back, right? We tried to get, like, our own American <laughs> force and get our ships together to try to go get it back, yeah. British, right? What, what was that story? Uh, I, I, you know what? I don't know enough about that, uh, that... Uh... That 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 one, and what I and I don't know how many ships actually, or how big of a uh, you know uh, flotilla, yes, flotilla <laughs> military, uh, you know, aquatic was, military group. I don't know anybody who understands the words that are coming out of my mouth. Please come over here. We need to take back back <laughs> island. What? I've never I been just, on a ship before. I don't know how many people were involved with that actually. Um, I just know that it was uh, that it kind of uh, I don't know whatever 
sentiment like that what uh, kind of fizzled after a while for some reason. I don't know. I think, I think we got spanked real hard. Well, but, we got spanked real hard, yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're right. I think our resistance was like this much compared to that much, kind of like an yeah. alibi thing. Yeah. But it was, if I recall, like it was, it was not successful by a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're correct. You're correct. <laughs> it's, a fan, uh, it's a fantastic island, though. Oh, okay. So we were talking the other day. You've been there recently, as yeah. in like the last year. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, it was a spectacular summer. When were you there? I, we were up there. I think. I think it was at the very end. It was like August, and they still had that that water damage around uh around the road oh, that goes around the island the erosion holy cow i mean like parts of the uh and this is a little bit of mackinac island trivia for everybody uh m185 it's the only state highway that has never had a fatality from a an automobile accident um and it, it uh, there's a lot of firsts about that but and it's 8.2 miles around the island but significant damage in the last two years as a matter of fact uh, yeah. on the west side and on the east side of the island both you know uh crazy stuff i mean like a huge i mean the, the the lake levels you know 10 or 15 years ago they were at such historic lows uh, you know i've got you know pictures of like you know the ferry docks i mean like mm -hmm. going over on the shepler or, or yeah. whatever dock and those hydraulic lifts were like pointing like this and the dock porters i felt so sorry for those guys because they had to push those things up i almost said another f word uh, <laughs> the incline was at least 45 degrees at mm -hmm. least and now that it's <laughs> the lake levels are you know have reversed themselves it's kind of like the opposite it's really uh it's been a difficult couple of years huh I mean, they gotta go up the, the hydraulics. It, yes, it's uh, it's it's been very strange up there the last couple of years. Yeah. So, great place yeah. though. Have a lot great of place. great memories. And there's still a lot of history up there. The fort's still there, and it's pretty much as it was during the War of 1812. Yes, it is. Actually, and pretty much untouched uh, since then, as a matter absolutely. of fact. And I understand. The, the main downtown of Mackinac Island, when you get there, isn't the original downtown. That's correct. Back in 1812, that part, the, the popular part, was still underwater. But it's the street behind the main street that is still the original. Market Mackinac. Street. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you yeah, can, that's, where the, uh, that's where the city hall is. That's where the police station is, the fire department. That's where, you know. So you can, if you wanted to stroll around authentic downtown Mackinac Island. If you wanted to, what was that? A moment in time. If you want to have a Christopher Reeves grade moment in time. Somewhere moment, in time. Somewhere in time. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You can still go down that street. And if you squint your eyes, you can, you can embrace what it was. It's pretty close. I mean, there's, and there's a, a few key areas, you know, as far as that movie goes that, they, you know, there are plaques here and there yeah. on, on the west side of the island, uh, just past the uh, the school, um, yeah. There's you know a grove of cedar trees on the on the coast there that uh, there were 
you know, some key shots, you know, filmed there. And uh, it's pretty much, uh, you know, it's, the island has changed quite a bit actually in the last, you know, oh. decade or so, or maybe 15 years. Um, I spent a lot of time up there uh, starting in the late eighties actually. And uh, it's changed significantly since then, but huh. it's, it's, uh, it still has that same kind of uh, magic to it. You know, I mean, it's uh, in my experience and there are probably going to be some people who take umbrage to this, but I have this mix of wild anticipation every time I go to the island when I'm on the on a boat. And I have probably taken a thousand ferries to Mackinac Island in the last 35 years. Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. Um, there's always a mix of anticipation and dread. <laughs> <laughs> and the hey, dread Pete, sorry. part... <laughs> I, I had a little uh, connection issues. I had to reboot everything myself, but uh, oh. I made it back. But okay. uh, my lovely wife has a question on the screen. What's the oldest restaurant or bar in Mackinac? Do you know? Okay, she says in Mac. That in Mac. Mackinac Island. I would say that would be in Mackinac City, but on Mackinac Island? Let's go, let's, let's go both. <laughs> I have no idea as far as Mackinac City. On the island, the oldest continuously operated restaurant? Oh, geez. It'd probably be... Oh, honestly, so many things have changed in the last is 20 it years. Is Pink Pony? E Speakeasy 330 thinks Pink Pony. Pink Pony is from the 1940s. I think that was established in 1947 or 1948. I would stand by that, as a matter of fact. I'd bet you 100 bucks on that. Um, what about... With the bar and the Grand Hotel count? Grand Hotel. Uh, the Cupola the cupola bar up in the, the Cupola. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, the uh, the Jockey Club. I would have to check on the Jockey Club, which is uh, as you're going up the hill uh, to the Grand, uh, it's uh, at the uh, end of the golf course by the golf uh, Okay. Yeah. Golf house. yeah. Hmm. Um, I would argue maybe the Jockey Club because that's probably been – been there since the 20s or 30s hmm. i would think uh mike wants to know what role whiskey plays in this history not much other than us drinking it on the show um the whole basis of the show mike if you missed the uh beginning was just uh just and i just sitting around drinking whiskey oh. talking history uh, but there will be shows uh two actually upcoming um uh that we, we will talk whiskey fear not fear not my friend matt is listening and watching and he lives at British Landing. Hey, where the British Matt Myers, otherwise known as Ralph, dude. Um, <laughs> he sometimes joins me on a percussion. Uh, he's a percussionist, and uh, he's also one of the finest uh, restorative and finished carpenters I have ever met in my entire life. Oh, wow. He is. He specializes in historical renovations on the island and wow. uh, for cottages that were built 200 nice. years ago. And anyway, he said, uh, the Mustang is the really? oldest. And okay. actually, so I knew the, the building. Island House is the oldest hotel uh, along with the Mission House, which is next to Mission, Part, uh, Mission Point Resort. And it's part Love of their it. property, but they don't have any actual, I mean, it's not, you know, uh, right now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. all right. 
I so love the Mustang it. though. The Mustang is probably the oldest continuously operated bar on the island. Now, the Broder family, still owned by Tony Broder and his partner. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I dig it. All right, guys, we're kind of running out of time here. Um, any final thoughts, Justin? Well, let me let me wrap up the war. Go. So we're pretty close. We're pretty close in 1814. Uh the only other big thing that happened after the British-British reinforcement showed up to help the Canadian-British ones, they wanted to show their initial show of force on Mackinac Island so they could protect what was important to them 50 years ago and us be like, what? We just live here, bro. Uh, the, sec <laughs> the second thing that they did uh, in August was march down the Hudson and burn down uh, Washington, D.C., specifically the White House. There is one fact of our president that we often forget. You know, his wife uh, saved the picture of Washington. But the president of the United States, the guy who declared war on Britain, um, he actually fought with the local militia group to defend Washington, D.C. against the invading British folk. He fought to defend Washington, D.C., Although Madison? it's not, not very long. Uh, not Jefferson, the... Madison. Madison, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Which, which wow. I was surprised to learn after kind of, you know, digging up 1812 stuff. But shortly after that, that... Yeah, isn't that... Again, not yeah, Justin, a, a commenter here, Lisa Morgan, uh, says, you didn't remember the raisin. Yes. There was there was an, a town called French City, which was south of Detroit, where we tried to take over on the Raisin River, uh, mostly from Kentucky soldiers who were able to show up and help us. Um, but we lost real bad. And that was our first step onto taking back Detroit. The general who replaced two previous generals to take back Detroit uh, was also arrested, not by the British, but by the natives, Tecumseh's people, stripped of his uniform and then brought to the British at Fort Detroit. So wow. to get more Kentucky people back into the army after they all died defending some cold town outside of Monroe, um, they said, remember the raisin so that more Kentucky, it'd be like, remember the Alamo, but for Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. and, all right. You know, I don't care if you're from Kentucky or anything. Raisins isn't going to get me to do anything. Well, I, I will tell you, uh, the only thing I can add, and sorry, Bob, if you're still listening, um, you know, probably up visiting Pete in uh, in Mackinac Island. My favorite Mackinac Island story was um, stumbling back out. I used to always stay out by the point. So, you know, you a nice, long, sobering walk after hanging out at the bars downtown Mackinac. Of course. Yes. And uh, I... I remember very clearly one night we were walking back, a, a group of guys, I think this is back when I was working at Leo's, Pete, and um, <clears throat> we had gone up probably to watch you play, most likely, probably come up for a, for a day. And I remember um, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. We're walking back to the hotel, and, and one of the guys in my group stops and drops his drawers and starts peeing behind a bush just outside of the downtown area. And we're all like, dude, come on, man. What, what are you doing? Here comes one of the, uh, the state police on a mountain bike flying oh. down the hill screaming at him, gets off his bike, starts, you know, tearing into him about indecent exposure and how he could take him to jail and, and boot him off the island. And uh, my buddy turns around and looks at this cop, and I'm in, like, terror, thinking, dude, shut your mouth. You got to shut your mouth, man. He turns around and looks at the cop, and he says, you mean to tell me horses crap in the street all day long? 
but I can't take a piss behind the bush on my way back to my hotel. I thought we were all going to jail. All of us. <laughs> every one of us. Cop just looks at him, starts cracking up laughing. And he's like, you know what, man? Like, all right, you're you're right. Just just go back to your room. Don't let me see you again. And just kind of wrote off. But man, I thought we were going to jail. So that was my contribution to the story of Mackinac Island. The state police uh, this, on Mackinac Island don't mess around yeah. with beating on bikes. <laughs> they yeah, take they, they really don't. Obviously. All right, guys. Well, I, I, we really got to wrap it up. Um, so okay, Pete, hold on. Let little, me. You got a last word. Give. Me, let me have one last word, right, please. Go, go, I, gotta, but, I have to wrap up the war. We're still at war. Yeah. We're still at war. So, okay, they burned down Washington. We've had enough. The The British finally realized, they're like, where where is half of our military that just won the war against Spain and France? And British said, well, they're off fighting the Americas in Canada. And they're like, bring them home right now. This is stupid. We don't need to waste any more money. Uh, we came, we were invited to, for the peace accords. Uh, I believe it was Ghent. Was it Ghent? The Ghent. Yes. Ghent, the treaty. Yes. So we, hey, we, I want to, I want to clarify real quick. My mom commented, um, uh, I'll bring that up again. Uh, I, I just thought about this. She was commenting, was that your uncle Don on the bike? Um, I just want you to know that it was not uncle Don, uh, drunk peeing. My uncle actually served two years on the Island as a trooper. So nice. Yeah. Oh. So we, we got the treaty filed. Carry on. Uh, we're done. The British said we would like half of Maine. We would like for you to give the Great Lakes region to the Tecumseh people to be its own independent nation, even though you just bought it a few years ago. And also, we want you to demilitarize uh, the Great Lakes region, to which we said no. And they were like, fine. And then after we signed it, we won nothing, we gained nothing, we lost nothing, same for the British. Um, the British, the big old British fleet showed up in New Orleans to take New Orleans after we signed it, because word travels slowly. And uh, future President Jackson and future President of Texas, Sam Houston, uh -huh. defended uh, New Orleans in a battle that we should have lost, but somehow won. Uh, we created 200, over 2,000 British casualties and only lost 70 American casualties. It was a unilateral super win. And it should have pissed off the British, but it didn't because they were just happy to be done. Uh, that's it. We ended the war. Nobody won. <laughs> Nobody knew what we did. We got nothing. We lost nothing. They got nothing. We uh, They lost nothing, except lives, of course. And unfortunately, the people who really got hurt the worst were the natives. Sounds like most wars, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, that was really entertaining, guys. Uh, for future notice, we were going to attempt to keep these shorter, but we all knew going into this one it was going to go long because it's our first time on here. Um, one but, hour, uh, come on. That's yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, before we get to the virtual cheers, and guys, go into any of the chat rooms. I did just drop the link again. There's a room for a few more of you. And if you want to join on to the screen with a glass of whiskey in your hand. But right before we get there, I just want to bring in a friend of mine who uh, reached out when she saw this, um, what we were doing here, and wanted to talk about Richard Nixon. And I said, heck yeah, let's do it. I'm going to bring on my friend, Rachel Burns, and uh, recent veteran of the show, Jeopardy, yeah. Alex Trebek uh, passed you, away. Rachel, so, Rachel uh, Burns, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Welcome. I, um, I gave up whiskey and, and beer for Lent 
So I'm just okay, waiting man. and smelling a bottle of Woodford Double Oak. When I saw that what you guys stuff. are doing, and thank you guys, Pete and Justin, for what you're doing today, um, I knew that we had to talk about the president responsible for all of our political division today, Richard Nixon. Nixon. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to you guys on uh, on April 12th. April 12th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on ilogicmedia.com on Whiskey and History. And that will be after Lent, so um, you'll be able to uh, hang out with <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, right? thing. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much, guys. Awesome. Thank you, I Rachel. love it. So um, uh, thank you, Rachel. We'll see you on the 12th. We appreciate you. See you, guys. See ya. All right, cheers. Uh, we do have a couple of people for our virtual cheers. We've got uh, uh, Kent. Uh, where are you from, Kent? Where are you at? I'm, I'm in Brighton, Michigan. Can you hear me? I yeah. can hear you. Okay. I yeah, love I your can. shirt. Well, and, uh, thank you. I'm in yep. Howell, Kent, so uh, right. you know, I can almost throw a beer to you from there. All right. We'll we'll get together. Um, I got the uh, maker's uh, hat there, Ken. I got the maker's shirt, the maker's mug. I got the uh, I got the big the big jug of makers. Yay. Love it. All right, Kent. I got the Good makers man. with the Christmas lights in it. Oh man, I love it all. <laughs> so yeah, you know they send you lovely presents every year, don't they? Well, I I'm just getting into this. Honestly, I used to be a tequila drinker, and two years ago I switched to bourbon, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. So. You guys are awesome, it. and I'm well, looking cheers, forward yeah. to the next show. Well, we appreciate Bye. you. Thank you. Hey, Tom from Easy Speak at Speakeasy 330. How are you, sir? Yeah. Well, I'm I, doing I can't well. hear you. you oh, now I hear you. We're doing awesome. Cheers, sir. Oh. Cheers. All right, let's keep bringing them in. We got uh, Melissa and Bart. Where are you guys from, Melissa and Bart? We are from Ann Arbor area, so we we are drinking. Uh, one's got Larceny Barrel Proof. She got the end of the pour, lucky lady. Nice. And uh, I'm I'm drinking the Four Roses today, so that's my keep it home all the times. Oh, love it! Yeah, that's my uh, that's that's my Cheers. Buffalo Trace for me. All right, we got one more joiner here, uh, Mr. Logan. Where are you? Uh, you're you're muted, Logan. You're muted. You're still Yay! muted. There you are. <laughs> Logan Moore. How we doing? Doing good. Awesome. Awesome. So well, we, hey guys, thank you all for joining us. What you got? Oh, you got your Remy. Nice. Yes. Well, Remy counts for Next me. Next time I'll so, Remy counts for me there. too, bro. All right. Well, it's time to get out of here, my friends. So again, thank you for watching the first episode of Whiskey and History on the War of 1812 with my co-host, Justin Raditz and Mr. Pete Kehoe. We appreciate you, although I understand you're not going to be a guest host. I think you're just going to stick around. I'm so, going to uh, stick around. Yeah, he's, he's going to stick around. So uh, cheers to everybody. Make sure you go to ilogicmedia.com. Check out all the other shows going on there. Please go to YouTube. Give us a subscribe and a listen. I appreciate you all. Y'all have a very, very good night. Cheers. 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 Woohoo. <laughs>